Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Take a seat in the pastor's office. Listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. Let me say this to you now. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Uh, I hope that each and every one of you made it to church in person. I did not say bedside Baptist. I did not say sofa uh, Baptist. I did not say love chair Baptist. But I hope each and every one of you made it to church today uh, uh, because he died on Friday. He laid in the grave on Sunday. He didn't just lay there. He went down into the antediluvian era, uh, and he taught, and he had a revival uh, uh, with many of the souls that had gone on before. But then, when the dew was on the roses early Sunday morning, he said, "I got to leave, fellas. I got something to do. I've got to get back up out of the grave." Uh, so I pray that you were in service in worship, uh, giving God praise for the sacrifice that was made by his son, but the fact that he got up on Sunday morning with all power in his hands. You know what? In all seriousness, that's the, that's the basis of the Christian faith. It's the basis of the Christian faith. We have freedom. We are able to have hope and joy because Jesus rose from the grave. I'm not going to preach to you. You see, I'm getting, I'm ready to go back down to the pulpit in the sanctuary and preach again. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do that, I promise. But I do pray uh, that you've given thanks on this day. Listen, one topic we have not discussed on the show is what happened at the Oscars a few weeks ago. Will Smith walked up on stage. And slap Chris Rock in the face. You, 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 you know about it. Everybody's seen it. Everybody's witnessed it. We just haven't talked about it here on the pastors' office. I got to tell you something funny. Uh, I had uh, my midweek Bible class, uh, which I call Our Power, last week. Uh, and I, I put out on the all call and on the text that we were going to be talking about Chris Rock and Will Smith. Was Chris wrong? Was Will right? Should Chris have responded? Can I tell y'all something? I had the largest Bible study class that I've had since I've been pastoring this church. (laughs) Y'all think I'm joking. I'm telling you the truth. Folks showed up, and everybody had an opinion. Well, today I want to welcome into the pastor's office for the first time 
somebody that you've known and loved for a good while. He's a Philadelphia original. You've seen him on VH1. You've gone to the comedy clubs. You've seen him there. Uh, you've seen him uh, with Tyra Banks. You, you've seen him in a number of different places. He's been, he's been a fixture in our lives for a mighty long time. Uh, and, and, and I'll tell you, if you really want to know where, where I first came into contact with him, I used to work at 92.3 K-Rock in New York City. I used to sell advertising for the Howard Stern Show. For eight and a half years, I put words in the mouth of Howard Stern and Gary and all of those guys. Uh, and, and and there was a show on WNEW that ended up moving to, 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 to 92.3 when Howard left. It was called The Radio Chick. And I used to love listening to the radio chick. And one of the folks that she had on our show was our guest today. So it's a, a plum-pleasing pleasure for me to talk to him because he's part of my, well, I'm old now, but I once was young. So he's part of my youth. Chuck Nice, come on into the pastor's office. How are you this afternoon, sir? Well, I am I am so much better now after that introduction, Pastor. Well, thank you, thank you so much. I mean that that is very gracious. Listen, uh, I'm, I, listen, I feel I feel really good right now. Listen, folk think pastors been saved all their lives. I, I didn't I, 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 I didn't fall out the tree saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I I, I did come from somewhere. <laughs> this is true. Well, we all got we all got to come from somewhere. Especially if you're going to walk with the Lord. Nobody's born walking with the Lord. And happy Resurrection Sunday to you uh, and to all of those who are listening. Yes, and sir. Uh, I certainly did appreciate uh, listening to you at the beginning. Yes, and, sir. You know, when you said that this is what it's all about, you're absolutely correct. That's it. Uh, this is what it's all about. You know, what this represents in the Christian walk and the Christian faith is the fact that uh, everything has been paid for you, you have been bought with a price. And, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about it after that purchase has been made. Let so, me tell you something. Sit, back, sit, sit Let... back and relax and let's slide on in to eternity knowing that we are signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> the, the, the old folk used to sing a song, I am redeemed, bought with a price. And that's one of my staples. I love that. But, man, we're just glad to have you. And I'm telling you that I'm not joking. I'm not making a joke. I used to listen to you on the radio on NEW in 92.3 in New York with the radio chick, man. Dude, this is a pleasure to talk to you. Well, I'm so happy you weren't a pastor back then. <laughs> <laughs> I was with Stern and, and, and Elephant Boy and, 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 yes. and Whip Em Out Wednesday. Come on, you know about That's all of that right. stuff, man. I oh, man, I remember. I remember. Those, listen, that was a fun time. It was a good time to be in radio. We were always pushing the envelope. We were always making jokes. Uh, we were always offending someone. Yes, sir. And, you know, it's kind of funny when you talk about what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock and the fact that so many people were tuned into this and everybody had an opinion and some of the opinions were really passionate. But I think the reason why everybody took such um, note is not only that it was the Oscars, that it was global and that, you know, these are two well-known uh, figures, but that it questions when is it right to stand up for something to what extent do you stand up for something uh, and what is the right reaction 
uh, when you're standing up to something. And then on the flip side is, you know, when are you being too sensitive? Are you being too sensitive? Uh, is a harm done to you um, that someone meant to do greater than a harm that was uh, by accident or that a person didn't realize uh, the intensity of whatever harm they created? All those things are just kind of living in that slap. And I don't think that uh, we knew that until after it happened. I have received everything from praise to death threats because of my views on the incident itself. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, what are your views now? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this very clearly from the outset. I think Will Smith was as wrong as two left feet. I think Will Smith was taking out on Chris Rock a lot of aggression. He probably should have been taken out in other areas and at other times in his life. I think that was really what you call an explosion of pent-up emotion throughout the years. That's that's the position that I've taken relative to it, but I brought you in to hear your thoughts. Tell me what you thought of the incident. Well, we're not too far apart to tell you the truth. Now, you know, just so everybody knows, I am from Philly. And just so everybody knows, I love Will Smith, just like the next person. And just so everybody knows, I actually do know Chris Rock. Um, not like we're friends, but I know him professionally. I know him enough where if he saw me, he'd be like, hey, Chuck, what's up? So Will Smith was wrong, period. So people say, but what about, you know, the fact that Chris Rock said this about his wife? That could be wrong, but that's not worth talking about. Will Smith was wrong. You do not. Put your hands on someone because they said something you do not like. And he did so on, on a, in front of a global audience. He committed an act of violence, an act of battery. He ruined and dishonored the uh, night for everyone who was there. He dishonored the Williams sisters because the performance for which he won was about their life and more importantly, their, their father. father. That's right. And he dishonored the memory of their father in that moment. All of these things, let's just say Chris Rock was wrong first. Well, all of those things that Will did um, was, you know, insult to injury, excuse the pun, <laughs> but it's insult to injury because, you know, you had greater things that were in play that night than yourself. And you made it all about you, and that's not—that's never uh, seemly. That's never acceptable. But but come on, Chuck. Let, let let's talk about this for real, though, man. When Chris made the joke, right? Will laugh. Laugh. Somebody and and anybody who wants to dispute that, go to your DVR, go to YouTube, go wherever you need to go. Play it Mm -hmm. back. The man was laughing. You know who wasn't? That's right. You know who wasn't laughing? His wife. His wife. Her eyes went up, then they went down, then watch this. Then they went over to him. (laughs) Right. And when they went over to him, something changed. So what people don't get is this. One, I see this happen all the time in the comedy clubs. All right, that's number one. Okay. Uh, You say something that the wife finds offensive, not to her, just something that that she doesn't like. And the husband is laughing, like, head back. And when he pulls his head up, he sees her looking at him. 
And then for the rest of the show, he's sitting with his arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is mad at you because you made his wife mad. That's right. And that is that is understandable, man. Let me tell you something. I got I got three kids, and I tell them what my father told me. Don't let me come in this house and have that woman mad. That's right. That's okay? right. Because y'all right. messing me up. That's right. Y'all messing me up. Okay? <laughs> so, uh, but if you really look at the tape, she wasn't rolling her eyes at Chris Rock. She was looking at her husband. <laughs> like, why are you laughing at this? There What's so go. funny? There you go. Yeah, And yeah. so I'm sure, I'm sure what happened in the interim that we didn't see was she leaned over and was just like, I can't believe you. You know what? You know better than that. That's I'm right. Let them man say that stuff about me in front of the whole world. I don't know what kind of man you are. You know, so uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, this is when a lot of people talk about what it is to be a man. Part of being a man is just knowing when not to respond. That's right. To anything. That's you right. know, it's like, I'm going to respond to Chris because this woman's mad, but we're going to do that backstage in front of a camera. And I'm going to let him know that he owes my wife an apology. I'm also going to let the whole world know that what he did was wrong because uh, whether he knew it or not, he was making fun of a medical condition from which she suffers. Now, at that point, if he had done that, Chris Rock would be the villain. Everybody would be right now talking about how Chris Rock went after Jada Pinkett and while she had a problem, you know. Um, that's the first thing I would have done is not respond to him. But the second thing I wouldn't have done was respond to her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes being a man is knowing that although somebody has a lot of influence over you, you got to know when to let that influence happen. But Chuck, can we put a pin in that real quick? That that's what, that, that's where, I, that's where I want to kind of pause real quick. A lot of influence. How about all the influence? I mean, I mean, let's, I mean, you know, come on. We all been talking about this relationship, right? Oh, yeah. It has been. I forgot about that. (laughs) It has been, it has been ammunition for a lot of conversations across the country over the last year plus. And, And let me even go deeper. We all done seen the brother and maybe some of us has been the brother that, can't move unless our mate what? says step yes. forward. Am I wrong? Yes. It's called him test. We, we all know. We, we know the deal. Come on. You know what I mean? And listen, let me just say this. You know, um, having a great regard for what your wife thinks and says is absolutely okay. And there are times when it is actually good to be him pet. You know why? Listen, this is, what I do for a living, I run my mouth. Now, a lot of times I'm about to say something that is just wrong. Sometimes I'm about to tweet something out that is just wrong because I don't have a filter that way. I'm so used to just, you know, allowing my thoughts to be what they are. But the tongue is the most unruly member of the body. We know that. So sometimes I show my wife something and she's like, you better not. You better not. Don't. uh Uh-uh. I'm telling you right now, uh, when they show up at the house with the pitchforks and torches, I'm not going to be here. So don't do that. So and and that's cool. But there are other times I'm like, you know, she'll be like, I don't know if that's funny. And I'm like, well, when you pay the mortgage by being funny, you can tell me if it's funny or not. <laughs> right, 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 right. And for so, all those school know, clothes and 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 for all those extracurriculars. Yes. 
That's right. right. <laughs> so, but you're right. I think that Will basically at that moment, the whole thing crashed down on him and he was kind of tired of like, you know, more than a year of people talking about his marriage, which by the way, she's the one that bought it to the whole world that's right. at some table that's and right. talking about her business. That's right. And, you know, as my parents used to tell me, what happens in this house stays in this house. Well, you know what, though? Don't be out in the street talking about our business. That's right. But you know what, though? People have been whispering about their relationship for years. But then right. they came out and basically put on the table, this is how we live. And so right. if you put it out on the table, this is how we live, then you can't right. you can't get mad when people start to talk about it. You put it there. Uh, uh, right. but, but, but listen, listen, listen. Okay, all right, I think we're on the same page with Will. We And by the way, on a very serious note, mental health is real. All right. And, yeah. and that was a demonstration, in my opinion, uh, of somebody who was displaying some challenges when it comes to mental health, because you just don't do something like that. I mean, yeah. do you think I'm wrong there? No, I don't. And, you know, if it's not a chronic mental health issue, it certainly was one that was at play, you know, for that. I mean, there is something called temporary insanity. That's right. Where just where, you know, the stress, the anxiety. The pressure gets to you, and you lose it. You snapped. So maybe that was the case. So Here's he, my second problem with Will Smith. Go. And this is a bigger problem than the fact that he snapped. We all have a bad moment. None of us are defined by one thing that we have done. If that were the case, uh, I wouldn't be on the phone with you right now. I wouldn't be. I would have been deported from this country. Um, <laughs> but the fact is that we all have things that we're not proud of. Right. That's one thing. But. The way I was raised and the way that I am, okay? If I ever wrong you, here's what you can expect from me, like a man. A true heartfelt apology where I tell you I was wrong. Not a, not a letter from my publicist, and I'm going to apologize to you the same way that I embarrassed you. That's right. If I embarrass you publicly, I'm going to apologize to you publicly. Because what good is my apology to you after I'd have made you look like a fool in front of the whole cocktail party? No, I'm stopping the cocktail party. I'm going to say we all saw what just happened, and what I did was out of pocket. It was wrong. I want to take time right now to apologize to everybody here at this cocktail party. For those who have already left, I will let you know that I will be calling them personally to let them know that I did this right here and to offer them this same apology. To the person who I offended in front of you, let me just say, I am sorry. What I did was wrong and there was no excuse for it. That is the end of it. It ends right there. I was wrong and I'm sorry. To the rest of you who witnessed that, let me just say the same thing. For you, I am sorry as well. I hope you will all forgive me. But if you do not forgive me, I understand it does not stop me from offering you my contrition. Bang. Now, I just made that up on the spot. Right. So guess what? If I could do that, why couldn't he do that? Right, 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 right. Again, again, I, I, I think pride, ego, anxiety all played a factor in how he processed this. You're listening to Philly's Favor, 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We're here with Chuck Nice. Two things, two things on this real quick. We're going to move. One, 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 one. I love Denzel. I love Tyler. I love all of these folks. But why weren't they walking up to Chris and consoling him? <laughs> no, seriously. Chris is the one back in the back with an ice pack on his face. You know, his daughter's looking at him like, gee, Dad. You know, his brother his brother texted him like, yo, man, if that would have been me. I mean, why aren't right. they consoling Chris? Oh, man. You know what? I, <laughs> I should not be laughing at that. But that's the first time I thought about, you know, the other people in the room 
and how in between the commercial break they were going up to Will. You know, I'll tell you what it's, why, why that happened. My brother has a very expensive car. Mm-hmm. And he purchased the car, and, I, you know, it's a beautiful car, right? He, and he lives in a suburb of Philadelphia. And uh, a week and a half after he purchased this very expensive luxury vehicle, he was making a left turn, and he wasn't looking, and someone hit him. But they were both at fault. Right. But as he was standing there taking the information and waiting for the police to show up, and his car was towed up, as they say, the people were driving by, and they were looking at him and his car, and they were going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> to him. Not to the other dude who had his family in the car, two little babies, and they did not care because he was in a Honda. He was in a Honda, and ain't nobody care about him. But my brother, they were looking at his beautiful, expensive, luxury car with the front end bass, and they were like, oh, my God, I am so sorry, just driving by him, screaming out to him, oh, man, I feel you. Oh, what a shame. And it was my brother's fault. I see where you're going here. I see where you're going. As, as we say in preaching, go ahead and close that sermon. <laughs> so that's why, yeah, you, I mean, you get me. That's why I was going on like that. The sympathy <laughs> went to the power. There you the go. The sympathy the way, went to the power. I'm glad you said it just like that. Those are words that I couldn't have come up with, but those are the perfect words. The sympathy went to the power. That's right. And guess what else? If you listen to Will Smith's rambling, stupid apology speech that he gave, okay, and like I said, I love Will Smith, but I got listen. You know, being a comic, you got to you got to speak truth to power. It was a rambling uh, mishmash of emotions and nothingness, uh, and the only person he apologized to was the Academy. That's right. That's right. Because they're the only people who have power over him in that room. That's right. That's it. That's it. That's it. So look, 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 look. I, I, I'm going to say this, and then I want to move on to one other issue that you're passionate about. So the the response by Chris, though. Uh-oh. Yes. Uh-oh. That, I mean, that was the response. Uh-oh. <laughs> if I see a grown man charging towards me with a scowl on his face, yo, I'm not from Philly. I'm from Abington. But even in the mean streets of Abington, Pennsylvania, I'm going to buck up. Come on, man. Uh-oh. Uh, you know why? I think because it's something I probably would have done the same thing, too. You know why? Because as a performer— and a professional, you that is just something that never would cross your mind that somebody with the status of Will Smith would come up on that stage and slap you. Right. Now, he might have come up. Now, he wasn't mic'd up. Will Smith wasn't mic'd up. So the reason why somebody walks to you on stage when you know they're not mic'd up is because you got the microphone. The person with the microphone is the person that can be heard. So what you do is you go up and you get close to them and you speak into their microphone so everybody can hear you. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought Will Smith was going to do. Right. That's what, so, you know, that's probably why Chris, Chris did that like that. I got to be honest, but you're right. I mean, I am also from Philly. I wouldn't have had my hands behind my back. No, sir. No, sir. (laughs) No, sir. No, sir. I'm like like insurance in case something happened. You know what I'm saying? 
That's right. right. All right, listen, uh, listen, yeah. before we go, before we go, though, listen, um, you are heavily into, and I, I found this, uh, I found this not to be surprising, but I, w- I was like, wow, okay, you're into the environmental movement. Uh, you're heavily into uh, making sure that we take care of this planet that we live on. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that before you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm very active in the climate space. And the reason that, um, I, I mean, it's something that I, I do a show with Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's a, he's an astrophysicist. And uh, through him, I got to meet a lot of scientists. And I found out how the climate crisis is a real thing. Right. And it's far it's far more pressing than most people know. It's far more pressing than most people recognize because it's a global issue. And so when something is really global, it's hard for you to think about it in a local way. But the problem of the climate crisis that is most um, frightening to me is that the people who will suffer the most are people who look like me. Mm. And so that really disturbed me because we already got enough problems. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. We don't we don't need anything else. The other thing is too, you know, for your listeners, I'm sure they know this. But, you know, there's two things that people uh, know if you've ever read the Bible is that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness, and the fullness thereof. thereof, and they that dwell right. therein. And, that's right. And so, um, in addition to that, we also know that we have been charged with being good stewards of this earth. Mm-hmm. So you put those two things uh, together, and you need to take care of God's property. The earth is God's property, and you are renting it. So how many people do you know have a landlord who would say, go on in there and have a good time, trash it, do whatever you want? Mm-hmm. No, they make you put down a deposit so that any damage you do can be covered. Well, there is no deposit that we can put down on the earth. Unfortunately, what damage we do will be lasting, and the people that will suffer will be us. And something else that people know when they read the Bible is there's a scripture that says, "You reap what you sow." So you reap the wind, you you sow the world. You sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. And that is where we are right now with respect to what we're doing. And there's one thing that we can do that can mitigate this the most, and that's to stop burning fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And that means that, you know, we have to vote for people who are about not taking this money, uh, blood money, from these uh, companies that basically want to keep this going for as long as possible and at the very last minute say, okay, we'll stop, but we've already made our trillions of dollars and the people who are going to suffer the most, we don't care about anyway. And so our community has to step up, and what we have to do more than anything is get out there and express our voices politically, because that is the only thing a politician understands, is you're fired, or if you don't do this, you will be fired. And so that's what I'm trying to do, is bring this message to people in such a way that if they, if they only talk about it, and if they only vote on it, then I will have done something very important. Got it, got it. Chuck Nice, comedian extraordinaire, Philadelphia's own. Thank you for coming into the pastor's office on Philly's Favor this afternoon. Man, I hope this won't be your last time. I hope it won't either. And it's so nice to go into a pastor's office without any problems. (laughs) Hey, pastor. Hey, pastor, how you doing? I'm just here to say how you doing. (laughs) I don't get that too often, I promise you. I promise you. Chuck Nice, man, we'll be talking to you soon. Be blessed, my friend. All right. Thank you.
Philly's favorite listeners, don't you dare leave your radio dial or leave the app. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. And we want to thank Chuck Nice for joining us in our first segment. And I promise you, it will not be the last time uh, you hear from that great Philadelphia comedian. But listen, I want to pivot right now. uh, And I want to talk a little bit, as we often do here in the pastor's office, about ways that we can mitigate the violence that has found its way into Philadelphia. Now, let me be very clear. Uh, violence in Philadelphia is nothing new. But but what we've witnessed over the last few years is that the numbers and percentages have grown higher than they've ever grown before. Last year, murders, all-time record. We're actually on pace now to beat that record. Right, over almost 600 murders by guns last year. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Most of the people that are impacted by this violence in the city look like me and you. I'm just taking a broad assumption that folks listening to gospel music on Sunday afternoon look a little bit like me. And the violence is prevalent in our community. As a matter of fact, in a lot of our communities, uh, it's become background noise. We've become used to it. It's become a way of life, and that's not okay. So one of the things that we like to highlight on the show are people who are doing something about this issue because I absolutely believe we've got to meet this issue in the streets. And so today I want to welcome into the pastor's office uh, a Philadelphia icon, Uh, She is the founder of the Emoja House, uh, which we'll learn a little bit more about here in this interview. Uh, But she has visioneered a new program targeting young black males between the ages of 15 and 18. It's called The Value of Human Life. And we want to talk to her about that today. She's also brought in with her a couple friends. So let me introduce everybody. First of all, Queen Mother Falaka Fatah. And she's being joined by her development director, Jackie Taylor Adams, and her site manager, Anthony Hakeem Starkey. Folks, welcome into the pastor's office. Hello. It's Hello. A pleasure to be with you. Now, Queen Mother, we are honored to have you here with us today. First and foremost, I wanted to start out, for those of our Philly's favorite listeners who don't know, tell them a little bit about the Emoja House. Well, House of Emoja began in 1968 as an outcome of the Third Black Power Conference, which was held at the Church of the Advocate and attended by over 5,000 delegates from across the country, uh, Africa and the Caribbean islands. And the theme of the conference was Emoja. It was a year, in in September, we had experienced the uh, assassination of Dr. King in April. And so the conference was called together by the conveners to uh, bring together those uh, of African descent to uh, mingle together and think together uh, for a period of three days to look at us as a people and look at our survival. And uh, House Eumogic came out of that conference, out of, specifically out of the communications workshop. 
the in the communications workshop there were 72 uh, professional communicators from print and electronic media and there it was determined very easily that this country had a history of killing what it didn't understand and that communicators had a special obligation to help us as a people to be better understood. And I had been a journalist uh, at that point for about 20 years. I was in that workshop. I did not raise my hand. I was sitting in the back of the room, Pastor. <laughs> so I did not volunteer. But uh, for whatever reasons they had at that time, they asked me to take on the responsibility of being part of bringing about a better understanding through publications. And so I left that conference with that obligation and uh, commitment. And uh, that was, as I said, that was our beginning in 1968. And so some 50 years later, over yes. 50 years later, uh, you're still in operation, making a difference in our community. Well, thank you, Pastor. Well, the year after the founding of the House Emoja as a publishing house, Philadelphia was then known as the Year of the Gun. It was the most gang, uh, we had the most gang deaths of any other city in the country. So as you can say, the more things change, the more things, uh, be, they don't really change. They're cyclical. They just come back again and again. So you have visioneered a program called The Value of Human Life, uh, and it's targeted towards young brothers between the ages of 15 and 18 uh, as a way of curbing some of this violence. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this program? Well, first, we have decided to not limit it to males. We're going to include the young ladies as well. And the program is geared to creating uh, peace ambassadors. We know that young people listen to young people. They don't listen to people who've been around long, as long as I have. And so that if we're going to make a change, then we have to. We don't even know the language that they speak, really. We're not in their generation. And so the program is geared towards creating lead, uh, thought leaders who will be almost like a uh, antibodies. And, and we're saying that the disease is violence. And so the program uh, is for 15 uh, youth at a time, and uh, we're going to do it by the seasons. So we're beginning with the spring season, and then we'll go to 15 new young people for the summer, then the fall, and then the winter. So the, so you'll be impacting about 60 young people a year yes, uh, with the program. And yes, and we're going to do this as a two-year two uh, demonstration and then thoroughly evaluate it and see uh, what works and what does not. Now, you're, now, your uh, development director is on the air with us, uh, Ms. Yes. Jackie Taylor-Adams. Uh, Ms. Adams, you're the one that actually has to go out to corporate America to, to, to potential partners and explain the program. Why don't you tell us some of the unique points about this new program? Well, the most unique point is that it's built off experience. How do you mold your function for over 30 years as a residential home for boys? Queen Mother 
she happened to find out in 1969 that her son was in a gang. And her husband told her he's not leaving that gang. So she invited the gang to come live with him where they lived. Mm. And that's what... That's when House Remosia became uh, a residential home and a safe haven. So then Remosia was responsible for helping end gang warfare here in the city with the No Gang War in 74, the campaign in 75. So through the, their work, which was in collaboration with young people and community and all, they were able to almost totally reduce violence due to gang violence. So, one, Umoja has had experience with creating peace. She replaced the family structure with a gang structure. Mom says that the family is the problem and the family is the solution, and everybody calls her mom, and that sense of community that she has built that, you know, um, everybody feels like they belong. This is one of the key points in which we want to address so it's not just the program, but it's surrounded by multiple parts. And we reestablished a relationship with the lifers to help establish violence-free zones. She's working with the block captains in the area in which this first violence-free zone, which is in the Carroll Park area. So she's literally going block by block to work with the block captain. And the you fall in the midst of this new community building and I just really you know feel you know family peace and education which um, and agriculture those are the legs on which Umoja stands and then the workshop leaders are people directly from our community right. so they care right 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 they've got they're invested in this process yes. uh, because this is where they came from and they have a value of place. They have a value of place, which is critical. You're listening to Philly's Favor, 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. Uh, and, and, and Anthony Akeem Starkey, you're the site manager, so you're doing the day-to-day work. I mean, tell us a little bit about what you're experiencing and, and how the program's making a difference. Okay. What we are trying to do also is to organize the different blocks. I'm trying to make sure that when they are on the block that they are safe from the potential youth, other youth that might, you know, uh, come into the area. My primary focus is, is to secure the whole area, the whole block, the whole area, so they can get to and from the site. Got it, got it. Well, listen, uh, we're excited about this program because as I share on the show all the time, uh, any program that can help reduce this violence, any program that makes some of our young people f- understand their value, understand their worth, uh, is a critical program. Doesn't matter if it's impacting five or 5,000. I-, I remember one time uh, somebody was sharing a story with me. They said to Mother Teresa, she was in Africa amongst thousands upon thousands of starving children. Uh, and they said to Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, how in the world are you going to help all these children? And Mother Teresa pointed at a child and said, I'm going to start with that one right there. And that's the mentality that we have to have. We have to reach one. Uh, 
If we can reach one, one can reach another. And Queen Mother, you are the epitome of I'm not tired yet. I want you to know that we appreciate the fact that you're still going all of these years later and trying to make a difference in the lives of these young people. Well, thank you, Pastor. I'm only 90. <laughs> I was listening to a, a group of 100 uh, people. Who, uh, you know, in New Jersey, they have over 1,700 uh, folks who are over 100 years of, of age, and uh, they were asking uh, a male who was 103 to what did he attribute his longevity, and he said he didn't sweat the small stuff. Mm. And then they asked the female who was 103 to what did she attribute her longevity, and she said, I, I always want to like what I see in the mirror. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so I'm 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 not planning on going anywhere yet. And until when God's through with me, He'll take me home. God bless. God bless. Well, listen. <laughs> well, listen, Jackie. Why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, or tell our audience how they can get engaged, how they can find out more about this new program, Value of Human Life. Okay, you can come to the website at www.houseofumosia.net. Um, and there you'll be able to click on to um, the, youth, um, the Peace Corps, or if you the full URL is houseofumosia.net forward slash Peace Corps, that's C-O-R-P-S, and that will take you there where you can register. We just have a few slots left, and we begin on next Tuesday the 19th. So if you want to register, hurry up and get your registration in by this weekend so we'll have time because once you register, you have to meet with the social worker to complete all your paperwork, and we are starting on um, April 19th. All right. Well, Queen Mother, Jackie yes. Taylor Adams, Anthony Hakeem Starkey, thank you so much for the work that you're doing here in the city of Philadelphia to give all of our young people a chance to have a seat at the table of success. I want you to know that as you continue with your work, if there's anything we can do to be a blessing to you, don't hesitate to call. Thank you for thank, joining thank us today. Thank you so much, Pastor. And, and uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and your audience. God bless you. Bye bye.